0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: I've been on the low. I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feels like my life ain't mine. Who can relate? Who?
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 524 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, we are headed onto the stage today with a platinum-selling recording artist and First Class Father, Bobby Hall, better known as Logic, joins me on the podcast today. Logic is a Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist who has had three number one albums, 10 platinum singles, and billions of streams. His smash hit single 1-800-273-8255 reached number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Obviously, that is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. He received two nominations for the song, including Song of the Year and Best Music Video at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards. Logic is also an actor and film producer as well as a New York Times best-selling author. His new memoir, This Bright Future, is available now, which chronicles his life growing up with an alcoholic and mentally ill mother and an absent, crack-addicted father. It takes you right up into his rise to fame. The link to the book is in today's show notes. Bobby Hall will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Bobby Hall was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between Logic and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Logic, you got to go back and check out so many of the other musician dads that I've had on the podcast here, including three Backstreet Boys, Nick Carter, AJ McLean, and Brian Littrell, all stopped by, as well as Insyncs Chris Kirkpatrick. I've also had Boys to Men's Sean Stockman on the podcast here, as well as Sugar Ray Band's Mark McGrath. Go through the archives of the podcast, you'll find many other music dads that have joined me right here on the podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Ace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. And I cannot say thank you enough for all your support out there helping First Class Fatherhood rise up to the ranks of one of the top 1% of all podcasts downloaded worldwide. That's all because of you guys out there. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help me with that rating and review. It always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Logic. I'm Alec Lason. You're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Right, dads. Sports stadiums are beginning to fill up once again. Concerts are coming back, and Broadway shows will be here before you know it. It's time to take your kids to an event and start making memories once again. And there's nothing wrong with saving a few bucks while you do it. My partnership with SeatGeek means that you can save twenty dollars off your tickets by using the promo code First Class. That's one word: First Class at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. Let's go, dads. We've been cooped up way too long here. It's time to start enjoying sports and entertainment again the way they were meant to be experienced: live and in person. Visit SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FIRSTCLASS, that's one word, FIRSTCLASS at the checkout, and save $20 off your tickets. A gift for First Class Fathers from First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Bobby Hall, better known as Logic. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you very much for having me. This is awesome
0: all right let's start right here how many kids do you have how old
1: i have seven kids i'm joking i have one child little bobby sir robert bryson hall the third who is almost 19 months
0: wow yeah you still got the price tag on him there uh what, what did you did you guys do any sort of gender reveal to find out what you were having or did you wait till the end to find
1: out me and my wife uh for as long as we've been dating and then married and engaged and all that have never been able to wait for anything. We give each other our Christmas gifts like in November, right? So we wanted to know immediately. So we were like calling the doctor, calling the doctor, calling. And they finally said it. I actually, it's it's one of my favorite uh, memories. We're on the phone and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And then they're like, "Are you sure you want to know?" On the phone, and we were like, "Yes." And then they were she, the woman. She said, "You're having a beautiful baby." Boy, and I was so excited. I would have been happy if it was a girl as well. It doesn't matter. A child's a child, and it's beautiful. But I wanted a boy. I, I just wanted a. I mean, I'm a man. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. I, we had three boys first. Then we got our girl on the fourth try. Otherwise, we'd have five by now. But we got her on four. <laughs> you go. You go for any more kids, or you get one and done here.
1: No, I think I think we definitely do want more children. My wife, she's young. She's 22. I'm 31. So I'm not sure if you know I'm robbing the cradle or she's robbing the grave in this situation, but. Uh, she's got time, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm, I'm not really in a rush. I do. We both definitely do want children, but we're really enjoying this little man. I mean, even one child is like a, a handful, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Very cool. If you could by please just take one second to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
1: Um, well I'm known as a musician, uh, by the name logic. Uh, my background is I am an uneducated, uh, high school dropout, who then went on to find education in the real world, or book smarts, as you could call it. Uh, both of my parents are drug addicts and alcoholics. I came, I grew up around violence and murder and drugs and crime. And uh, My father's black, my mother's white, and um, I just didn't let the adversity of my surroundings or what I was uh, born into rub off on me, and I didn't let it become my life. Uh, and that's a lot about what my book is about, This Bright Future. And, uh, yeah, I think I channeled all the things that I was going through. And instead of either A, mimicking it or B, trying to run or escape from from those things, that world and, you know, drugs, alcohol, gang violence, things like that, I channeled that into writing and music and being able to express myself and my emotions Uh, by doing so. And one thing led to another, and I have no idea how the hell it happened, but I was blessed enough to have a really amazing uh, music career. And now I'm kind of going full force into film while also still enjoying, enjoying making music. So that's, there's my 32nd life story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Listen, what an incredible journey you've had. I have a copy of the book here, Uh, This Bright Future. Uh, Obviously you paint a, a very vivid picture of your childhood growing up, uh, which was tumultuous at times. There now given your childhood and your background, how did the experience of becoming a father so far, 19 months into this, how did that kind of change your perspective on life?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like all the cliches they say about children are true. Like you'll know, you could never love anything as much as this little person, your life isn't your life anymore. Like, it's just so true. Like every little decision that I make, um, I make it for my son, you know? Um, and it's funny because coming from the background that that I do, and having never really had a family, it's kind of been my life's goal to have a family, excuse me, and to create something of my own. And I did it, only it's way better than I thought it would have ever been, and it happened all just by chance and randomly and and it just it just happened. So I'm very lucky, um, but it has completely and utterly changed the way I view every aspect of my life.
0: Yeah, very well said. And one one thing I'm curious about, Bobby, in the experience of writing the book, This Bright Future, um, you know, I, I grew up with alcoholic parents. Both of them passed away before I became a father myself. I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict as well. And one of the things becoming, to be able to speak about some of the things in my childhood, I always kind of felt like, because I love my parents, you know, from what they were, they, they had their own struggles. I always felt kind of guilty about talking about them as their alcoholism and their problems in life. Did you, did you fight through any of this as you were writing this book? What was that process for you like going back to, to where going through all this? What were your emotions like and how did you kind of deal with that process?
1: You know, you might want to do this for a living. <laughs> you're so good at this man like you're 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 fantastic. these questions are so cool um yes, um yes and no i I don't feel bad about anything that I wrote in this book, you know, my father leaving me at five years old in southeast d c to go smoke crack uh you know my mother almost murdering me by choking me to death um all the things that I've gone through my i talk about my brother selling crack to our dad um it's it's They made those choices and those decisions. I am a man recounting his life, and if that makes them feel some type of way, then perhaps they shouldn't have treated a child that way, or perhaps they shouldn't have set that example for a child. These are the deepest, most uh, vivid memories that I have, and they're kind of like the worst memories you could have. And that's not my fault. I'm not going to necessarily say it's their fault. Drugs and alcohol is an addiction. It's a disease. It's something that I know and I understand. And I also bring that up as well. Um, So it wasn't really hard, but In the book, I I do also express like, hey, I love you guys. Even the people I haven't talked to in years because I had to put you out of my life because you weren't healthy to be around, I do love you and you did make an impact on me. And whether that impact was surrounded by positivity or negativity, you shaped the man I have become. And because of this, I am forever in your debt. And I do not say these things from a place of anger and in many ways, it was extremely cathartic, and it, was, and it allowed me to uh, really fully forgive all these people and understand that nothing was intentional. I mean, I don't know how choking your son almost to death isn't intentional, uh, but <laughs> it's definitely fueled by drugs and not the person who they really are deep, deep down before uh, you know, these substances began to destroy their lives.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And listen, there's no doubt that there are millions of people that are living through similar circumstances. I think the book is going to be beneficial to so many people out there listening. Link to the book in the description of today's podcast episode and then bringing it back into you um, as a dad here. uh, What would you consider to be the top values that you're hoping to instill in your son growing up?
1: I just want him to be a good person and better than I could ever be. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. I could give a damn if the kid wants to play football, baseball, wants to ballet, dance. I just want him to be a good person. You know, I want him to learn, hopefully. I mean, we all have to. I talk about this in the book as well. Like, there's a part of me, and I'm sure you know as a father, that like, you don't want your children to feel pain. You don't want them to fall down and break an arm or get their heart ripped out by some you know, boy or girl or this, but it's like, it's a part of the human experience. Like it it makes us who we are as individuals. And as much as I wish I could be there for every little thing and keep him safe and protect him the best that I can. It's like, you know, when he's playing on the couch and stuff, like I always tell him like, no, Bobby, like don't, we don't stand on the couch, you know, but I'm there to catch my boy. Nobody was there to catch me and I'm there to catch my boy, but there's going to be, there's going to be times when I deliberately cannot catch him metaphorically because he has to learn to grow and and have those experiences that will make him who he is as an individual. Um, So it's scary. But at the end of the day, I just want him to be happy and have options, have the options I never did, which in and of itself is kind of weird, right? Because it's like, dude, I grew up on food stamps, welfare. We had nothing, like absolutely nothing. Um, And I'm blessed enough that I can spoil this boy. And in many ways, he already is spoiled. But there's also the fact that i can't give him too much because he has to work for that you know what i mean i worked for it and i wish some of it was handed to me and maybe it would have made it a little easier but i don't think i would appreciate where i am because of that so he'll definitely be taken care of but to an extent he's really got to he's got to work for for what he wants
0: yeah, that's one of those things, Bobby, that I would think would be a very difficult balance uh, when you're in a position where you grew up without anything and now you're in a position to give your son everything. I would think that that's got to be a difficult balance uh, to do. And I listen, I have my, my two oldest are teenagers and, and to watch them fail is one of the most difficult things as a father. But, it, you know, it's difficult but necessary in, in the growth of them as individuals. So. Uh, it's definitely no easy task. And then how about, I know 19 months into this, but has uh, becoming a father, has it changed you at all as an artist? Has it changed you as far as which music you're looking to do? Has it changed the direction of your uh, music career? Uh, h- how about any of that?
1: great questions man like this is so awesome um yes wholeheartedly uh in 2018 so so a funny thing about me is a lot of people might be like oh it's the 1-800 guy the guy who did the song about suicide and all this stuff which i love hey that's amazing that's something that that makes me really happy but it's funny that i'm like not a one-hit wonder i mean well after that i had bangers and i did songs with eminem and all this other like checking you know uh stuff off the bucket list But before then it was ten years. I had a career of ten years and and you know, selling out thousands of seats and and theaters and and different things like that, and it was amazing. But it was the steady incline, it was a slow burn, it was a marathon, not a sprint. And I beat myself to hell and back doing it, you know, I mean malnutrition, I was smoking cigarettes and just doing all these things that wasn't necessarily the healthiest physically um, because I also grew up in a place where like nobody really talks about physical or mental health really, right? And then the, 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 the physicality of my situation then began to weigh on me mentally as well and I was going, you know, through anxiety and bouts of depression and not really understanding why and X, Y, Z. And in in 2018, it was the craziest year of my life, from like 2017 to 2019. It was just go, 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 go. It was festivals and shows every weekend. It was tours constantly. I was on the road. I was going crazy. And then by the end of end end of that, like around in, in 2019, uh, you know, my wife is pregnant. And then I just start to realize like what's what's important and what matters most financially I was blessed enough and am to be in a in a position in a situation where I can do anything I want. However, being in music, hell, entertainment in general, we're always told that we're not good enough and that if we stop or slow down, that we're going to fall off. I've had people tell me a million times, Oh, you fell off. You fell off. It's like, all right, I don't know what that means. I just I just released an album and sold a quarter million units in a week. Like what are you talking about? Like, do you know what I mean? But also success shouldn't be defined by numbers. And and this is the value that I'm sorry, I'm going on this tangent, but to answer your question that I found in my son, I don't want to go on tour and do a million shows and all this other stuff anymore. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go on tour. I love music. It's amazing. It's incredible, but I don't want to do that. I'd rather be at home. I'd rather do things that, uh, the type of work that I'll be home a majority of the time doing. So that includes recording. I can release music, but now stepping into the world of film, it's really amazing my one of my first gigs is is coming out this Friday on Apple TV um and it's with uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt for his TV show Mr. Corman. And it it's a dream that I always wanted to act and I don't just play some rapper who's like, "Yeah, bro, totally." Like it is crazy with monologues and all these different things. And I say all this to say film is what I want to do and for the last 15 years of 17 years of my life, I've built a house that is music and creativity and all this other stuff. I don't want to leave the house. I just want to build an addition. And my son has made me realize how important it is to actually follow your dreams because I want to set an example that when you master one thing, don't be scared to try something else. Don't be complacent. And I've damn near rapped about almost everything I can rap about. So my music moving forward will be more so you know, kind of melodic, honestly, been strumming the guitar, having fun, always going to rap, always going to do stuff like that. But he has made me want to try different things. He has made me want to slow down and enjoy the present, which is extremely hard to do.
0: Yeah, very well said and very true, very hard for all of us to do. I know a lot of times we're, we're at work, we're thinking about being at home and we're at home, we're thinking about things at work. So it's definitely a, a balance to do there for sure. And, and listen, the music game has obviously changed a lot since you first got into it here. Everything now, and it's, even with the pandemic, has forced everybody online, everybody doing streaming. Uh, it's definitely changed the scope of it. So what kind of um, advice, I guess, would you have for the parents out there that have kids that are interested in a music career and are seriously trying to, trying to make it in the music industry? What, what kind of message would you give to steer the parents to, to, to help them with the kids?
1: Do you mean in, in this time in general or specifically through COVID?
0: Well, either or. I mean, it's changed a lot Uh, either way. I think the pandemic has uh, just kind of fed the fire of the change in the music industry.
1: I agree. Um, I I, I think anybody should just truly encourage their children to do whatever. Like if they're playing video games all day. It's like, do you want to make video games? Would you want to test video game? Be a video game tester? There's like, there is a world in whatever somebody can want to do, but even there, it's still hard work. It isn't just playing video games. So I think it's about really connecting with your child. Mind you, I say this as my kid is 19 months old, right? So it's like, I don't have teenage boys. I don't know what that's like yet. You know, like, no, Dad, shut up. You don't understand. Like, uh, but. I think doing the best that we can to, one, not have amnesia. Remember what it was like to be wild and crazy in that age and have dreams and ambitions that our parents didn't even understand. You know what I mean? So um, I would just say, listen to your kids. Really help them. Do, do what you can. And it's not even monetarily. It's not about that. It's about time. Time is obviously something that you can't buy or buy back. So I think investing and in, in taking a genuine interest And what your child is doing, even if you could give a shit, like if you don't really, this doesn't interest you, do your best to make an effort to try to find something that does interest you about this specific thing. I mean, it's even like time with the spouse. Like say, say your spouse loves pottery and you could give a damn about making pots. You know what I mean? Um, Is it really about the pottery? One, you're doing that for the person that you love. But two, it's more about like, wow, here's an opportunity for us to sit alone and create something while having conversations. So if you enjoy the person that you love and getting to know them, ask them questions that you could have never even have thought of before. And now you're put in this in this situation. So it's less about what is being done. And I think it's more about the connection between the two. And I think if a parent wants to support their child, all they have to do is talk to them, ask questions. I mean, literally asking questions is kind of one of the greatest things ever not necessarily intentionally like challenging the kid or maybe you don't like it so you want to ask them questions to try to deter them from doing this thing don't make it about yourself make it about the kid because if you were that kid wouldn't you just want someone to be there that loves you and supports you and cares enough to actually uh you know try to gain some knowledge of the things that you're interested in so there's my two cents
0: yeah, no. I listen. I love that. My oldest son actually became very interested in chess early on, and I, I dude, never played I love chess. chess, bro. I never played it. I never knew. I never even knew how. And I learned how to play it, so I can play with it now. Every all of us in the family, all six of us, play chess, and so it's become a big part of the family just because it was something he got interested in. So, uh, you never know which way it's going to lead. So, I, I, r- real quick, I wanted to ask you, what does your bedtime routine look like uh, so far? Are you a lullaby guy? Are you reading them stories? What does bedtime look like in your house?
1: Bedtime for little Bobby is – okay, so th- actually let me, let's break it down. So after his first nap, we, we hang out. He wakes up around 3 o'clock, right? So after – I mean he gets up at like 6.30 in the morning, and then he, he takes nap time around 1. And uh, and we'll hang um, depending on the day, right, depending on when I'm working and when his mom is working and all these other things. But for, the, for your typical day of us together, we'll hang and play, and I have this like – I'm not really like a manly man. You know, I'm not like a like a like a Tim Allen home improvement fix it kind of guy. But I built this kid's remote-control car that you can sit him in, and I was like, felt so accomplished. So sometimes I'll drive him around in that, or we'll play in the basketball court, and, uh, or we'll draw. Oh, he's obsessed with music right now. We're going to get to bedtime. But he's ex- obsessed with music, dude. There's this uh, one of my favorite artists in the world. His name is Toro Imwa, and he's kind of like an experimental indie, really cool guy. And that's one of his favorite albums. It's called What For? But I just got him into Metallica, dude. Insane, hardwired to self destruct is like his favorite master of puppets, of course. And what he does is he'll is he'll go into my study and he'll like go to the vinyl player and he he does this, which means like music, 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 and he goes like this, all crazy and all over. And we put that on. We'll do that for a little bit, and then obviously he'll eat dinner, and then after dinner's bath time. Usually I let him and his mom do bath time, but I'll pop in uh since the day he popped out of the canal. He's always. Um, uh, I, I made him this mixtape, this little – it's called Bobby's Bubble, pa- Bubble Bath Palooza, and it's just all Frank Sinatra songs. So every night at 6 o'clock on the dot, boom, we hit play, and we listen. he listens to Frank Sinatra. And uh, when it comes time to put him down, I read him more. My favorite book is I Love You As Big As The World. I don't know if you've heard of it. I love it. It's about these little baby bears and stuff, and it's really cute. Which is another thing. Sorry, I know I'm going off on this tangent. I'll I'll wrap it up in a second. I really also love baby books that are more about like animals and kind of like sexless, raceless uh, uh, characters, because then everyone can kind of relate to it, you know, all colors and creeds and people. And uh, so I always really love that. Anyway, um, after I read them that, I give him a big kiss on his face, all over his face, and I tell him how much I love him, and I tell him to say, Dada, and he says, Dada. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll read, I love you as big as the world, in like a super, like a mafioso kind of way, and I say, I love you as big as the world. <laughs> I love you as far as a star. I just like to be funny with him. And then, um, and then his mom rocks him, puts him in the crib. He loves to be in the crib awake before he goes to sleep. He demands it. And, uh, and we get the, uh, the good old fashioned baby monitor. Daddy pours a glass of wine. We watch friends or some Wes Anderson or Tarantino movie in bed. And, and that's a fun family night, putting our boy to sleep.
0: Yeah, I, I like your style. All right. Listen, the book is out obviously right now. It's been a big work for you a long time in the making here. I would imagine what, what do you got left for what, what's next for you here? What kind of goals or, or plans you have here for yourself in the, in the future?
1: I just wrote a movie called Protagonist that I plan to star in, and I'm going to fully fund it for a couple million dollars, and YOLO, like, it's, it's a dream, it's scary, it could all come crashing down, it could have horrible reviews, it could be loved, it could be hated, it could be this, it could be that, but at least I can look back as an old man and say, hey, I tried it. I did something I love and I don't think the experience is something I'll ever regret. So I continue to make, I'll continue to make music from my heart, have fun, be the best dad I could possibly be and venture out into film.
0: Great stuff. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Bobby, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
1: Um, I would have to say, don't worry. The baby's probably breathing. It's cool. (laughs) <laughs> that's like the biggest thing. I would always freak out and think my baby's not breathing or something. um And you know, kids get hurt. That that was a big thing for me. Is like even just little bumps and knocks and this cry. Every everything, every little thing is going to seem like oh my god. And that's all normal. And you know, you and you and your your loved one may argue, and uh, it's just it's all normal. Like don't think of it as the end of the world, even when it feels like it's the end of the world, dude everything's going to be cool, man. Just know that you're a good parent. If you even care to hear this advice and this conversation here, you're a good dad. So, you know, give yourself a break.
0: Yeah. Well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Bobby Hall, Logic, you're a first class father all the way. and Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of time here at First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Back to wrap things up here. Our first class fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Logic, Bobby Hall, for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, and drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it into that Instagram account at Alec underscore Ace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. And if you enjoyed today's podcast with Logic, go back and check out so many of the other musical dads that have joined me right here on the podcast. Backstreet Boys, Boys to Men, In Sync. Uh, I've had so many on the podcast here. So just scroll through the archives. I'm sure you'll find one that you're interested in listening to. I can't say thank you enough for listening. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.